Jason here, another episode of Zion ID. Today's titled is titled, um, Enter His Rest. Jesus taught his disciples that the Holy Ghost was a comforter in John 14, 26. He also spoke of a second comforter. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. John 14, 16. Joseph Smith taught, after a person has faith in Christ, repents of his sins, and is baptized for the remission of his sins, and receives the Holy Ghost, which is the first comforter, then let him continue to humble himself before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and living by every word of God. And the Lord will soon say unto him, Son, thou shalt be exalted. When the Lord has thoroughly proved him and finds that the man is determined to serve him at all hazards, then the man will find his calling and his election made sure, and it will be his privilege to receive the other comforter, which the Lord hath promised the saints, as is recorded in the testimony of John in the 14th chapter from the 12th to the 27th verses. Now what is this other comforter? It is no more nor less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When any man obtains this last comforter, he will have the personage of Jesus Christ to attend him or appear unto him from time to time. And even he will manifest the Father unto him, and they will take up their abode with him. And the visions of the heavens will be opened unto him, and the Lord will teach him face to face and he may have a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And this is the state and place um, the ancient saints arrived at when they had such glorious, glorious visions. Isaiah, Ezekiel, John upon the Isle of Patmos, Paul in the three heavens, and all the saints who held communion with the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. So that's very interesting information. Um, that the second comforter opens up the mysteries of heaven and that all of the former prophets who experienced visions or talked to the Lord face to face enjoyed this second comforter. Through the gift of agency, we can choose to love our creator, our redeemer, our judge, or we can choose to reject him. To those who love God, it is promised He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. John 14, 21-23. Concerning this particular scripture from the book of John, Joseph Smith commented, When the Savior shall appear, we shall see him as he is. We shall see that he is a man like ourselves, and that same sociality which exists among us here will exist among us there, only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now enjoy. Concerning John 14, 23, the appearing of the Father and the Son in that verse is a personal appearance, and the idea that the Father and the Son dwell in a man's heart is an old sectarian notion and is false. In Revelation three twenty, Jesus beckons, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him.' 
and will sup with him, and he with me. DNC 93.1 says, Verily thus saith the Lord, It shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins, and cometh unto me, and calleth on my name, and obeyeth my voice, and keepeth my commandments, shall see my face, and know that I am. DNC 67.10 DNC 67.10-13 says, And again, verily I say unto you, that it is your privilege, and a promise I give unto you, that have been ordained unto this ministry, that inasmuch as you strip yourselves from jealousies and fears, and humble yourselves before me, for ye are not sufficiently humble, the veil shall be rent, and you shall see me and know that I am, not with the carnal, neither the natural mind, but with the spiritual. For no man has seen God at any time in the flesh, except quickened by the Spirit of God. Neither can any natural man abide the presence of God, neither after the carnal mind. Ye are not able to abide the presence of God now, neither the ministering of angels. Wherefore, continue in patience until ye are perfected. So we'll close. I mean, we're not going to stop quoting the scriptures. We're going to keep going with the scriptures. But that's a point that we want to dig into is that um, no man has seen God at any time in the flesh except he's quickened by the spirit of God. All the great prophets throughout time have invited their followers to enter into the rest of God, to experience the second comforter. But the only way to do it is to exercise a fullness of the priesthood. And I think there's a lot of really good um, commands within these scriptures that teach us what prophets like Moses try to teach his people. Um, Moses is one who received the second comforter. And the Lord said unto Moses face to face, uh, or excuse me, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. That's Exodus 33, 11. The epistle of Paul to the Hebrews expounds upon the Lord's rest. Hebrews 4, 3 through 7 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For he that is entered into his rest, he hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Um, Moses, the story of Moses is well remembered for him parting the Red Sea and delivering, right, the Israelites from bondage. Well, maybe what we don't talk about as much is what happened in the ensuing 40 years. Um, Moses was continually trying to get his followers, the people of Israel, to enter into the rest of the Lord. Psalms 95, 78. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Well, that is a reference right there to what happened in the wilderness. It turned into 
the people of Israel provoking the Lord through their disobedience and through their sins and through their refusal to listen to the prophet. Um, Hebrews 3.19 mentions that um, for some, when they did had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcass fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Um, believing is definitely a first step, even the desire to believe. Jacob 1, 7 through 8, this is now a different group of people. Wherefore, we labor diligently among our people that we might persuade them to come unto Christ and partake of the goodness of God that they might enter into his rest. Lest by any means he should swear in his wrath, they should not enter in as in the provocation in the days of temptation while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Wherefore, we would to God that we could persuade all men not to rebel against God, to provoke him to anger, but that all men would believe in Christ and view his death and suffer his cross and bear the shame of the world. Wherefore, I, Jacob, take it upon me to fulfill the commandments of my brother Nephi. You know, it's very interesting to put this into a modern contemporary context. We all know that we're walking into times of commotion, right? Ahead of the second coming of the Lord. The Lord's people will be tested. Well, the hope that we should cling to is that through this testing period, we might receive even greater blessings. And the greater blessings have been told us and taught to us from prophets of old. These greater blessings are not only the first comforter, the Holy Ghost, but um, I think it's going to become, you know, expedient that we experience the second comforter also that our bodies become quickened, that we can overcome the disease and the terrible things, the fires, the natural disasters that are happening on the earth. We're going to need additional spiritual defenses, and they've all been discussed for thousands of years by the prophets. In Alma chapter 12, verse 33 and th- through 37, but God did call on men in the name of his son, this being the plan of redemption which was laid, saying, If ye will repent and harden not your hearts, then will I have mercy upon you through mine only begotten Son. How often in these scriptures are we hearing, Don't harden your heart. Therefore, whosoever repenteth and hardeneth not his heart, he shall have claim on mercy through mine only begotten Son unto a remission of his sins, and these shall enter into my rest. And whosoever will harden his heart and will do iniquity, behold, I swear in my wrath that he shall not enter into my rest. And now, my brethren, behold, I say unto you that if ye will harden your hearts, ye shall not enter into the rest of the Lord. Therefore, your iniquity provoketh him, that he sendeth down his wrath upon you as in the first provocation. Again, think about the contemporary context. We're talking, we've been talking throughout Zion ID of all the scriptures 
that talk about the wrath of the Lord being poured out upon the nations who refuse to repent. Well, there is an escape, isn't there? Right? That escape is by becoming penitent, by keeping a soft heart rather than a hard heart, by obeying the commands of the Lord, and it is then that we will receive deliverance. Let's see where we were in this Alma chapter 12. Let's pick it up again. Um, Yea, according to his word in the last provocation, as well as the first, to the everlasting destruction of your souls. Therefore, according to his word, unto the last death, as well as the first. And now, my brethren, seeing we know these things, and they are true, let us repent and harden not our hearts, that we provoke not the Lord our God to pull down his wrath upon us in these his second commandments, which he has given unto us. But let us enter into the rest of God, which is prepared according to his word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Um, let's skip ahead. For he that is entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. So when you're thinking about the symbolic nature of entering into God's rest, it is symbolized, it's a symbol of God's resting on the seventh day. It's a Sabbath, um, similar to the seventh seal being the time of millennium, a time of peace a time when Jesus will reign as King of Kings, when we rest from the temptations, the weariness, all of the evil wrought by Satan. So even within our own bodies, we can enter into a rest that mimics the Sabbath. Uh, We cease from our own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do." Um, we'll read one more, DNC 84, 19 through 25. It says, In this greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. 
For without this no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness, and sought diligently to sanctify his people, that they might behold the face of God. But they hardened their hearts, and could not endure his presence. Therefore the Lord in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Therefore he took Moses out of their midst and the holy priesthood also. I mean, you want to talk about the Holy Grail. You want to talk about the ultimate hope. Um, It is entering into the rest and enjoying the second comforter of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 58 says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You know, it was a few years ago that the brethren did a big push on Sabbath day observance. Perhaps obedience to the Sabbath day is the key to unlocking this entering into the Lord's rest. Perhaps it's the key to a quickening. Perhaps it's the key to experiencing a fullness of the priesthood and even being transfigured or translated to behold the face of God and enjoy his presence. Let's not harden our hearts as happened in the times of the wilderness, in times of provocation. Let's listen to the words that Moses taught. Let's listen to the words that Joseph Smith teaches. Let's listen to the words that President Nelson is teaching and let's come unto Christ and receive ultimate hope even in the midst of tribulation. You know, it's um, a lot of times things happen in opposites, right? There's opposition in all things. And as things get worse on one end of the spectrum, things can also get better on the other end of the spectrum. And that is exactly what I expect to happen during the times of tribulation, during the times of abomination of desolation. You know, after the half hour of silence is ended and the seven trumpets blow, causing decreation, it's not all going to be negative, right? In fact, (laughs) you definitely can overcome the world and you can overcome Babylon. Um. DNC 64 says, Behold, now it is called today until the coming of the Son of Man. 
And verily, it is a day of sacrifice, and a day for the tithing of my people. For he that is tithed shall not be burned at his coming. For after today cometh the burning. This is speaking after the manner of the Lord. For verily I say, tomorrow all the proud and they that do wickedly shall be as stubble, and I will burn them up. For I am the Lord of hosts, and I will not spare any that remain in Babylon. Wherefore, if ye believe me, ye will labor while it is called today. So there is the Lord's plea. Believe in him, harden not your heart, and know that he will not spare any that remain in Babylon. Which means if you want to be spared, if you want salvation, you have to leave Babylon. Which means you have to go somewhere. And where is that place? Well, it's Zion, a people of one heart and one mind who dwell in righteousness with no poor among them. And the people of Zion will experience a restitution of all things, right? These are times of restoration. This is the dispensation of the fullness of times. It's a time to experience the fullness of the priesthood. So I hope through studying the scriptures, we can all realize that there is plenty of good that's going to be happening. I think um, a constant message that we'll probably start hearing more and more about is the message of hope, right? Um, Elder Holland this week and last conference gave an incredible talk on hope. And I think there's going to be more talks on hope because people's hearts are going to start to fail them as they get lost in depression and the anxiety and the fear that will be happening in the commotion uh, in Babylon. Well, if you want to leave that fear behind, then you're going to have to leave Babylon. And we're going to have to put off the natural man and start viewing things with spiritual eyes and start turning our physical bodies into spiritual bodies that are capable of beholding uh, the very presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.